You're listening to the Mind Your Home Podcast. I'm your host, Mia Danielle, and I'm here to tell you that the number one thing you can optimize to give you more energy and happiness is your environment. If you're tired of the chaotic cycle and ready to feel energized at home with more simplicity, more energy, and less clutter, then welcome to the Mind Your Home Podcast. Do you ever feel like you need to declutter your entire life? (laughs) I've definitely been there, and I know that I'm not alone because when I ask you guys what you would like to hear me cover, a lot of times what comes up is how can I declutter my mind of these anxieties and just busyness? If you're feeling like a total life declutter is in order, then you will likely want to declutter in these four key areas first that I'm going to be talking about today. So the number one thing to declutter is your mind. I like to say that your mind is the projector and your environment is just the projection. But really, it's so much more than your environment. Your mind projects onto every aspect of your life and happiness. It can help to hold everything together, or it can be the cause of everything falling apart. (laughs) Needless to say, if your life is a mess, it's very likely because your mind is a mess. But that's such a huge problem to solve. Like, where do you even begin? Now, I'm not saying that making intentional adjustments to your mindset is easy or that I'm a pro at it, but there is a process that works for me when I feel like I need to do a total mind declutter. And the first is to find space. This can definitely have more than one meaning, but in this instance, I'm talking about a mental space. Before you can course correct and remove the mental clutter, you have to stop the noise. Can anybody relate to the mental noise that I'm talking about? Sometimes even stopping can be hard, especially if you're in the middle of a big project and it always feels like the perfect stopping point is just around the corner, only to find that there's another task with another stopping point that's waiting there. Even if you have to force it, I say do it because it's important. I understand that whole tunnel vision that we can get and I never feel more anxious, depressed, and really just unhealthy than I do when I allow myself to run on this constant autopilot toward a distant goal. You're not giving up just by pausing. You'll find that, as I always do, that a pause actually makes your work so much more productive and enjoyable. You'll see things differently, like opportunities and possibilities that maybe you missed before. So some tools that I really love using that help me to get into this pause mode are meditation. I prefer guided meditation, but I also dig some Tibetan singing bowls from time to time. Yoga. I've told you before that yoga with Adrienne is my go-to, and she just makes my mind and body feel oh so good. Breathing, stretching, and hydrating. I put all of these together because they're very physical things that you could do for your body, but bringing in fresh oxygen and water is just a really great way to, I feel like, flush out some of that mental clutter. Journaling. My favorite type of journaling is stream of conscious writing to just like declutter my brain of everything to get it out of my mind. And then, of course, nature, fresh air, sunshine, movement. All of these things are really great for working out the kinks and clutter in our mind and just giving us a fresh perspective. The second process that really helps for decluttering your mind is then to go deep. So after you've created some space, go deep and work on those more structural changes. I can say with total certainty that the number one area where our minds just really wreak havoc is in our beliefs. I did this whole video on 20 lies that we tell ourselves about clutter and got such an amazing response because so many of you can relate to just these belief patterns that we have, even when it comes to beliefs about our stuff and about our space. Our beliefs are habitual and they dictate everything that we do, how we think, and even the decisions that we make. 
So if you're trying to bring more positivity into your life, let me tell you, it's not going to work just by simply thinking positive thoughts or shouting affirmations unless you're also working to remove the root causes of those negative thoughts, which are your beliefs. This process is never an immediate transformation. It is always an ongoing process. I find that every time I clean up one area of my thinking, I find another, but you'll be that much clearer. Cluttered, old, unhealthy beliefs can cause immense misery that can't and won't be satisfied by anything other than altering those beliefs. Number two is your home. Remember earlier when I said that your mind is the projector and your environment is just the projection? Well, I have some good news. (laughs) It's also a feedback loop. So why is that good? Well, it means that you can make positive changes to your currently chaotic environment that also result in positive changes being made to your mind. And that spiral can continue upward. I think that this is great news because of all of the things that we can't control in life, and there are many, our home is one thing that we absolutely can make changes to in our favor. And I've said before that one of my favorite quotes is by Dan Buettner, the author of the book Blue Zones. And he said that your environment is the biggest, most important, and most impactful thing to favor your own happiness. Your home is where you draw your energy. So that's why I focus on clearing the physical clutter first, because so much of our internal life is derived from our external lives. And that means that if your home is a mess, your mind is probably a mess and vice versa. Stepping into a space can immediately transform how you feel on every level, your physical body, your emotional landscape, your mental anxiety, your energy, and everything else. Consider the difference between stepping foot into a haunted house versus a day spa. One increases your heart rate and tightens your muscles and contracts your posture. You know, it increases your mental alertness and your stress, and the other has the exact opposite effect. We directly derive our energy from our surroundings. So being outdoors makes you feel fresh and expansive, and sterile homes can make you feel clean but uptight, and cluttered environments can make you feel stressed and chaotic. Clutter in particularly has been proven to have multiple psychological and physical impacts that just can't be denied at this point. You know, from health concerns to mental health concerns, it's just an area that so many people struggle with. When a particular space belongs to you, like your home, the effects are amplified because you have a vested interest in that space. On some level, we can all sense that our homes say something about us, and this internalized impact can either amp up or it can drain your energy even more. So many people admit to feeling overwhelmed, frustrated, shameful, and embarrassed about their homes. So your home can quickly become a point of strife, even for your relationships, and has been known to lead to depression and anxiety. So your space can make it hard to breathe when it gets out of control. Now, if you're struggling with this, I highly recommend that you watch my free masterclass to see how all of those pieces work together and how you can use that information to create a holistic and positive home experience. You can also snag my free checklist to go ahead and dive headfirst into decluttering in a deeper way. I'll be sure to leave that for you down in the description. The number three area of your life to declutter is your emotions. I know it can be awfully popular to just rely on your feelings and make decisions based on those feelings. And while I do firmly believe in intuition and that sometimes our bodies try to reinforce something that we truly know subconsciously is right for us, it can be very dangerous to just let our emotions take the wheel. Cue car crash. (laughs) You know, we are emotional beings and we're so lucky to have that ability, but control is key. So just like your home and your time and your thoughts, we have to be able to take control over our own emotions, I believe, in order to be able to have a happy life. If you maintain the limiting belief that you're just an emotional person and you just can't help it, you should squash that belief right now because 
people do have the ability to train their emotions. Write down the areas of emotional craziness that you are no longer going to allow to run your life. You may even want to discuss these areas with another person. The point is, it's possible, and if it's possible, then you can do it. We can also have emotions related to our clutter. One thing that I like to say is, if everything is sentimental, then nothing is sentimental. Over-identifying things as being sentimental really detracts from the things that truly are worthy of that label. You should be selective about what you allow to have pieces of your emotions like that. And of course, it's not the stuff that really holds the meaning, it's the memory that's associated with that stuff. So this means that it's really all perceived value. If our beliefs can be changed, then there's no reason to believe that a person will always be destitute to drowning in sentimental clutter. Of course, that's not to say that there's anything wrong with holding on to things that are truly sentimental. You know, I hold on to stuff myself um, inside of my memory box. That's something I shared with you recently in my decluttering papers video. And that's also something that I recommend when it comes to sentimental items is having some kind of spatial constraints or boundaries for your things. It's a huge benefit when it comes to deciding what's truly worth keeping and what isn't. Boundaries create space. And the number four area of your life that you might need to declutter is your schedule. I said earlier that your home is where you draw your energy, where your schedule is where you spend your energy. We are constantly investing our energy and time into our schedule. If you don't think that time is currency, think again. If you own nothing else, own your time. Like whether you work for somebody else or have a big busy family or are running a full-time business from home, own your time. Doesn't mean that you need to be mean or uncaring or do a poor job, but boundaries and priorities are a must. I think that, you know, we only have so many minutes in our life and it's our responsibility to assign those minutes to the best of our ability. So how do you know what's the best use of your time? I think that it all comes down to what your goal is for your life. I know that sounds a little deep and maybe even somber to some people, but it's something that I literally think about on a daily basis, not in a morbid way, but just in an inspired way. Like during my lifetime, what do I want to accomplish and experience? That single question determines the majority of my decisions, and it always has. Determine your goals, both long-term and short-term. Make a list of all of the things that you hope to accomplish in life and in the next 90 days, and then add to that list the things that you value and cherish, like the people that you love, self-care, passions and hobbies. Now, keep in mind that lifetime goals are actually more of a vision than a goal, so don't invest too much time in trying to map out your long-term goals. They're often way too vague and almost certainly will change over time. But the purpose is to find a big vision to make sure that you're on course. I like to do the focus for the next 90 days. If you plan for nothing, of course, you know, everything is going to steal your time. So this is why we can get overwhelmed and sometimes feel like we have a complete loss of control when it comes to our time and our schedules. It's important to declutter your schedule as a core practice in order to declutter your life as a whole. Sometimes we have good intentions, but unrealistic expectations. We overestimate what we can do in a day and underestimate what we can do in a year. Pretty sure it's Tony Robbins that said that, but I've also found it to be so true. This is where focusing on the next 90 days can come in handy because it's a long enough time span to allow for some major progress without feeling the need to cram all of the tasks into a single week. Here are some steps that I recommend in order to get your schedule back on track. Do a brain dump of all of the tasks and projects that you can think of. Circle the 10 that are the highest priority or that give you the best return of investment. And then prioritize that list by A, the lowest hanging fruit or the easiest, and then B, the most valuable for the return of investment. 
and then break down those projects into smaller tasks and assign due dates to each of those smaller tasks that span the next 90 days, not the next week. And then prune, i.e. let go of anything that has not made its way onto that priorities list. So simplify your to-do list, you know, get rid of the cluttered schedule, limit those tasks to no more than three to five to do per day, and you're going to thank yourself later. Creating a calm and simple life for yourself rarely comes down to a single thing. It sometimes takes a varied effort in order to create a life that feels decluttered. So here's a quick reminder of the four areas that I shared today for your reference. Number one was your mind. Everything starts here. Number two is your home, which is where you draw your energy. Number three is your emotions, because you will be miserable if you don't. And then number four is your schedule, which is where you lose your energy. And I will chat with you next week. Have a good one.